Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 9, issue 482, and today we're finally going to talk about the King of Fighters series. Joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 482, it's a very exciting international panel, we've got Mikhail Nudhug Kroda. It all began in 94. Is that all you're going to do? Yeah. I want the whole thing. Why not? Because no. <laughs> it gets more and more dark yeah, yeah. as it goes along. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We've also got uh, from the West Coast, Chris Hellpockets Fields. Hello, hello. How's everybody doing? Oh, good. Thank you. Welcome uh, for the first time ever to the Cane and Rinse podcast. Happy uh, to be we here. Couldn't, we couldn't have a better couple of guests because not only have we got Chris, we've also got a returning guest. It's been a while since we last spoke. An international video game Hall of Fame inductee, no less. It is Ryan Prodigal Son Hart. Hello, hello, thank you for having me. Welcome back. Yeah, that must have been quite a thing. It was. <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how do you find out that's going to happen? Do you still like, get an email? I got, yeah, literally that. I got an email and they were like, hey, we want to put you in this thing. Do you want to be put in this thing? Okay, I'll be in the thing. Okay, we'll contact you later about putting you in the thing. Bye, bye beautiful well we're going to bathe in your reflective glory reflected glory even uh and uh um yes we know that uh, you, you joined us before for street fighter but this time it's uh, another of your many fighting game passions it is the king of fighters yes very special one close to the heart excellent uh, for those listening who listen to every cane and rinse show and aren't really that familiar with what we're going to be talking about the king of fighters is Simply a long-running series of team battle-focused 2D fighting games from the SNK stable. But there's a lot more to it than that. That's just the uh, the the skinny version. I guess the best way to start really is to find out uh, why our guests are here uh, and how far they go back into the lengthy history of the King of Fighters. Let's start with Chris. Did it all begin in the arcades for you? Um, yeah, you know, I'm a child of the 80s and... We, I, I grew up in the era where, you know, they had console fighting games, but you were probably going to the arcades because that was the premium experience, you know? Um, yeah. not just because games look better in arcades and played better, but also there were a lot of games you just couldn't get on console that you could only get in arcades. Um, right. and for me, it, just, it starts with Fatal Fury 1 as far as the SNK story goes. Uh, I remember I was on a field trip at school or summer camp or something. We were at a bowling alley. And there was an MVS cab in the arcade area. And I remember one of the counselors just uh, picking Joe on Fatal Fury. And we all just like had a like, just crazy time like watching this, uh, the, um, the action on screen. And um, me and my buddy remember like uh, my buddy was like super into Andy Bogart. And he used to like for like a whole year, he would just run up to people elbowing him saying, Zayden, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, as you know, you get older, games like Art, uh, Fatal Fury 2 comes out, Art of Fighting comes out, and on the other side, Capcom's running Street Fighter Alpha. And I remember seeing advertisements for KOF 94, and I didn't know what it was because these were untranslated. It was at an import store, but I recognized Terry, Joe, and Andy. Sure. from my childhood and i'm like oh snap like <laughs> they're making a new game and then below them is like it's the picture of like um kyo binimaru and, and daimon and on the other side of it terry andy and joe upside down like i think yeah. that's my maybe the first kof 94 poster and yeah. i remember like that import store it got the cab it got like a dedicated kof 94 cab and there's just like a ton of people just rolled into that place to play it and it was it was insane, man. Like I had never seen that many people crowded around a cab before. Yeah. Um. And I and I I live across the street from an arcade all my life, so it, I had never seen that kind of action. Um. And so it just I think that that feeling had always just kind of stuck with me as far as like keeping my interest in the series. You know, ninety five comes out, and we didn't get a we like they didn't get as much attention as ninety four because I remember we would get like ninety six, ninety seven. 98 comes out and as those games are coming out other games are coming out from other developers and so some of the attention gets split up um all the way up to like you know 2000 where at which point you know you're basically just playing by yourself in the arcade because people have forgotten what kof is um but that's that's pretty much my history of just like the guy who would want to play kof i would go to like parties where they were playing marvel and i say anybody want to play market of wolves or 98 or you know (laughs) so that that that's me. I'm that guy. And from there, you got into the scene. You became a player and a, a broadcaster as well. Yeah. Um. The first game I probably played competitively was Eleven. Um. Right. The arcade across the street from my house got it. Uh, another dedicated cab, which was it was so random too, because like that the arcade operator had been just just not interested in getting KOF or SNK games mm, for no, years. Right. That was a Thomas Wave as well, right? Uh, yeah, when they went over to a Thomas Wave, um, yeah. so the, it, it had to be dedicated because that's when they switched over to Thomas Wave, and so yeah. the Sega cabs were like, yeah. you know, you one game, one cab, basically. But um, I remember he picked it up, and I was just thinking, like, wow, good call, bro. And you know, once again, that that scene from '94 happens again. Everybody's crowded around the KOF 11 cab, and mm-hmm. we're all of age now, so we're just like, hey, who wants to put money on these matches, right? So. We would run yeah. r- weekly tournaments. We would run money matches, and yeah, that was like after that, like yo, this is this is the shit, man. This is my thing. <laughs> um, awesome. I, I I played Guilty Gear Heavy back then too, but like KOF Eleven was like when I really started taking competition seriously. And thirteen comes out after twelve because we didn't we did not get twelve. They they totally did not want to bring okay. that over to us. Right. And thirteen drops. Um. I remember that was around around the time that Southtown Arcade opens in San Francisco, which was uh, a short-lived but legendary arcade out here on the West Coast. Right. Um, and they got it in their heads that they wanted to run bi-weekly ran bets that would be broadcasted um, by uh, I Play Winner at the time, who was run by Haunts. And Haunts comes to me and he says, I want you to commentate every KOF 13 tournament that we run at Southtown Arcade. And I remember thinking, like, okay, sure, like, I'll play my matches and I get on the mic and then there's a bar upstairs. So I'll get hammered, come back down, finish off the night. Right. And that's how yeah. we ran the entire, the entire year basically subsisted of that model. We're like, we would all show up on Sunday morning. We would play until, you know, I, we got bored of just, you know, watching other people win. Unless you were commentating like me. 
And that formula apparently was uh, good enough to get Hans uh, a gig at Evo Broadcasting. Right. So he tells me, like, yeah, uh, I want you to commentate Evo. Uh, in tw- and this is in 2012. And um, that, yeah, it, uh, I, that's it. That, that rest yeah. is history. That's how I started becoming a commentator because Hans told me, like, I want you to do this. And I told yeah. him, sure, buddy. Why not? The dream ticket. Yeah. Awesome. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. Like when he when he gave me money, when he paid me afterwards, I was like, "What's this for?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, now, Ryan, uh, you've already said this is a special series to you. So, how far do you go back with it? Yeah. And, uh, what's the story? Um, well, I mean, for me, you know, it, it it did start initially with sort of Street Fighter because it was released before that, but that mm-hmm. started the attraction to SNK games because. It was a 2D, you know, um, it, it was a 2D game and it was, it looked very similar. A guy throwing projectiles, a guy stopping, right. a guy jumping in. And, and, and the system looked very similar. So it was attractive because it was familiar. And like, oh, I've seen this, but the characters are different and the graphics are different and the style is different and the music's cool. Um, and yeah, it just happened, I think, uh, at the time I lived in Battersea and I stumbled across a, um, a chip shop on, uh, on Lavender Hill. And I uh, went in there, and, and they usually have a shoot 'em up. They usually have some SNK shoot 'em up. But this day, they had right. Fatal Fury one. And I, what game's this? And I put a credit in, got battered by like, by <laughs> by King or something. I got battered by Mick. I think I could. Ne- I, I think I couldn't get. I couldn't get past Mick for ages. Yeah. Mickey, mm-hmm. I just couldn't get past him for so long. And then I finally beat him, and then I was like, yes. And all these weird people look around from their machines looking at what I'm celebrating and I'm by myself, not even with anyone, just shouting in the air. <laughs> they must have thought I was insane. Um, but I was so happy that I beat Mickey. And um, <clears throat> eventually I remember this stage, this bonus stage, where you have to do the Haosho Korken for the first time. And when I saw the arrows, I'm like, how do you do this? This is nuts. <laughs> I've never seen any input like this on Street Fighter. I've never yeah. seen anything that complex. What is this even possible with two hands? Like what? Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and, it, and then you learn that and it's like you feel really accomplished. You know, I miss stuff like that. Where in the middle of a campaign you get taught a move. Yeah. You know, that's that was such yeah. a sick feature. Like now you've got access to this. Now you're awesome. You know, and it that was, was artifact, really, really cool. Right? Yeah. Art of fighting, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I've mixed two stories up. So, yeah, um, the, the art of fighting story was in an arcade mm. down the hill, and the <laughs> Fatal Fury story was at the top of the hill. Right. And the Fatal Fury story goes, eventually, I got good enough to get to Geese Howard on one credit. And there was this one time where the chip shop owner said, if you can beat Geese Howard, I'll give you a free portion of chips. That is the best motivation. Tell I got wrecked. about it, dude. Geese went extra hard on me that time. What free chips? Not 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 on my watch. <laughs> um, and and I and I went back there. You know, whenever I could, I went back because it was quite far from where. I mean, it was a good like 30, 40 minute walk from my my right. place. Um, and you know, I was pretty young at the time. I was like eleven, twelve or so. So, you know, my mum didn't always want me going too far from home. Um, but, uh, I think, no, actually, no, by that time I was allowed to sort of go wherever I wanted. Cause there was, you know, we had a lot of arcades in the area and I was pretty responsible. So I was sort of allowed, I wasn't allowed to get on buses and go really far though, but yeah, anything <laughs> yeah. in walking distance I could do. Um, and yeah, so, so yeah, I, um, I, I, I eventually get, kept getting to geese. Like it was a consistent thing. I can always get to geese. And eventually I, <laughs> I won against geese. And it was a different person that day. And that person called the other dude and said he beat Geese. 
Ha. It was so wow. sweet. Like as an adult thinking back, like he actually rang the dude up just That's to amazing. just to yeah. say that you know he beat you. So yeah, um, that was quite funny. The kid, the kid who he who beat him. It? Yeah, it was the like the kid just beat him because yeah. I think yeah, he played he a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you so got yeah, your chips. So my journey. Well, I, he had given me chips for other stuff before that already. So yeah, oh. but but he did actually. Yeah, he gave me like I think That's he gave cool. me a, I think he chucked in a Savaloy as well. Um, but <laughs> so yeah, so my journey begins on Fatal Fury One, um, and then later on Art of Fighting, and then later on, you know, all the iterations that came with that, and then of course Carnot's Revenge and mm-hmm. Fighters History Dynamite and World Heroes and World Heroes Two, and and just all yeah. the absolute classics that SNK dropped in the fighting they game. They had four genre. separate teams at this point, I think, working on different franchises. Yes, uh, yes. in their peak era. Yeah. Yes, and then much, much later came you know the Atomis wave in two thousand and three. And so funny, I, my first job out of college was with Sammy Europe. I didn't, I'd never heard of the company, and they were like, "We've ah. got, we've got this position. Do you want it?" And I was like, "Okay." And uh, yeah, the agency hooked me up with this job, uh, and and. Um, and and my and literally day day one on the job, all I had to do was go into their like warehouse, play their arcade cabinets because they had like they had all their games on a Thomas Wave system on arcade cabinets. Sick. So my job was to play each game and review it, and I'd I would you know play it from start to finish or as far as I could get within the time. And I'd yeah. review what I thought of the gameplay and talk about, you know, what it does to me visually. And if I like, if the music's engaging and all this stuff. And I'd write that down and then I'd get paid and I'd get paid in cash That's at 5 p.m. And then you'd <laughs> yeah. be like, okay, go home. We'll see you tomorrow. And that was my first job. It was like this super basic, you know, like uh, kind of a, a, a runner slash game analyst. And, and then, life. And then, right. yeah. And then from there, it, it kind of grew. And then, you know, before I knew it, I was doing yeah. publisher reports with Sony. And, you know, then it grew from there. And then in uh, October 2004, we merged with Sega and became Sega Sammy. Yeah. And then uh, Thomas Wave died because of the merge. So, yeah, 2006. Wow. Yeah, Thomas Wave just died, unfortunately. Mikhail, yeah. uh, it was you who actually nominated the King of Fighters series for this volume, our uh, ninth, aren't we? Yes, ninth, <laughs> heading to our tenth uh, complete year of the podcast. Finally, we're doing the King of Fighters. Why did you feel it was high time we covered this series, Mikhail? And what's your history with the King of Fighters? By far not as storied as uh, Chris's and Ryan's. Uh, but yeah, there's no, definitely no, no. a reason for me uh, nominating the King of Fighters series. And it, it's a series that has grown over multiple decades very close to my heart um in the netherlands we didn't get a whole lot of uh snk fighters in uh, in our mm. arcades i remember playing a, a bunch of world heroes um and but somehow i associate uh the king of fighters series and uh snk fighters a lot with going on holidays toward to the more cultured parts of Europe, you know, like uh, France and Spain. And uh, I associate it with summer holidays a lot. Um, so, yeah, that's where I started playing games like Fatal Fury Special and Samurai Showdown. And King of Fighters, I've never come acra- across a, a cap or an MVS uh, with, a, with a card slotted in. But uh, I've seen it around in magazines like CVG and the likes. And, mm. uh, you know, I saw the characters and, oh, hey, there's some artifacting people in there and there's some Fatal Fury people in there. And But I never really got hands-on with uh, those characters until Capcom versus SNK 2. Yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah, that's that's where I started uh, playing around with characters like Iori and Kyo and uh, and a bunch. And I started really getting interested in this series. Also, you know, partly like nostalgia fueled because of having these cherished memories of uh, SNK games in, on on summer holidays. And over the years, I uh, started invest- investigating more into the King of Fighters series. And it was at a location um, that uh, Ryan mentioned, uh, Nintendo of Europe in Germany, where I guess it was around um, 2009 when Street Fighter 4 came up and all of a sudden people started playing 2D fighting games again. Uh, yeah. Before that, it was only like Soul Calibur and Tekken that my friends wanted to play. You know, I mm. was the only one of my friends that still wanted to play 2D fighters. And since... Fighting games were always a multiplayer affair for me. I never really got into the single single player side of things. Um, I never really bothered with them. I sold off my copy of CVS2 at one point even because nobody was playing it with me. And um, yeah, so I was really happy that uh, you know the 2D fighting games were uh, were interesting again to a lot of people. And at uh, Nintendo of Europe, there were a lot of uh, video game enthusiasts, of course, and uh, a lot of fighting game players as well. There was a whole, like, especially among the testing department, there were a whole bunch of French guys there that uh, were uh-huh. wrecking everybody in, uh, in Street Fighter. And, yeah, I, I think I started downloading some KOF games on XBLA, uh, 98 Unlimited Match, and uh, 2002 Ultimate Match, right? Let's get it right. Other way around, but yeah, whatever. No, I think I got it right. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but like, I just want to point out that XBLA was like, like a breath, like just cool, clean water for S and K fans. Oh, yeah. And like, there's games on yeah, there yeah. now that you can't play anywhere else. Absolutely. Neo Geo Battle Coliseum was on there. Oh as well. man, yeah. such a heartbreaker. Both, yeah. Both 98 and um, 2002 are still available to buy and and backwards compatible, so you can play them on your Xbox Series console. They're still both installed and running on my on my latest hardware, which is fantastic. Yeah. And then it was, I think, in when did KOF? 13 came out. It was 2011, right? 11? 2010 yeah, in of, arcades. Yeah, in right. arcades, right. And then the, the console port uh, got a release or was going to be published by Atlas in the USA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was very worried because uh, Atlas doesn't have European offices. So I was thinking, hey, they don't have a publisher to, to release it out here. Um, so then Rising Star put on their Twitter, uh, they put up a question asking people what... Japanese games would you be interested in us bringing to Europe and I said two titles I said Dodonpach uh, Daifukatsu by Cave the uh, vertically scrolling bullet hell shooter mm-hmm. and uh, King of Fighters 13 because it didn't have a publisher here and they actually uh, replied with a winky face or something and uh, it was like two, <laughs> a couple of uh, weeks later that they actually announced those exact two titles that would be bringing them to, <laughs> nice. to Europe. So I'm not taking credit for it. They probably had no. that in the works already. But uh, I suspect. So. Yeah. bet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, and then, uh, yeah, 2013, uh, or uh, King of Fighters 13's netcode wasn't really all that hot. Uh, yeah. and, but I, I was always more interested in playing locally anyway. So... I started gathering a bunch of people and I started creating a little bit of a local scene for to, uh, for King of Fighters 13. Uh, yeah, 13. And um, yeah, so we had these uh, like bi-weekly, monthly sometimes uh, get-togethers with a lot of pizza and uh, yeah, just p- 
people going at it, you know, and I was really getting into uh, King of Fighters 13. I loved the drive cancels and the uh, the HD system, just doing all sorts of crazy experimental stuff with uh, with combos. And then the Evo 2012 um, Grand Finals and the top eight that uh, Hell Pockets and Meta Ape, Ape uh, or Chris, of course, um, commentated. That sort of validated it for me. Like I was right all along. This was an amazing fighting game, and I got even more people to play it. So our little scene grew and grew, and uh, we kept playing it until I left uh, Nintendo of Europe and uh, went back to the Netherlands. And sadly, uh, you know, didn't have a whole lot of friends anymore around that liked fighting games as much as I did. Mm. Yeah, it's a similar story for me in that regard. In the, I've, yeah, I mean, I am, I am a keen enthusiast. I have absolutely no uh skill really at king of fighters um I'm, I'm an extremely scrubby player but i have owned i think over 20 versions across about eight nine ten different platforms it all started for me in i have a feeling it w- would have been the 96 version i was aware of king of fighters before from magazines and such but uh when brighton did have a, a thriving arcade scene there was a particular one of the the many arcades down West Street heading towards the sea that was always full of uh, really the one of only two places I used to see clusters of the Eastern Asian community, most uh, mostly English language students, I think. And I'm still to this day not actually sure kind of which country or countries they were from, possibly Korea, possibly Japan. I didn't I didn't even really know how to listen out for Japanese back in the mid 90s. So um, I would have been a bit clueless. But there were two places. There was the Brunswick pub where there were four pool tables. Uh, you would often see a load of uh, you know, student age Eastern Asian kids there. And the other place was this one arcade that had all the SNK cabs. And it was this one day I used to go down all the time, several times a week, um, play all my favorite things. Uh, but I, you know, I was already into Street Fighter. I was already playing Street Fighter at home. But I think even though I knew SNK from all the way back in the mid-80s, Ikari Warriors and all that stuff, um, I'd always kind of thought that their, 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 their fighting games maybe were a little bit Me Too-ish, maybe, you know, not, not in the modern sense, <laughs> in, the, uh, in the sense of trying to kind of uh, piggyback off of Capcom's Street Fighter success. Uh, and I wasn't initially sold on, on the art style and the animation and stuff like that. But there was this one day I saw this young lad uh probably similar age to me actually i was in my early 20s maybe he was a bit younger playing as iori yagami so it must have been 95 or possibly 96 and he was just in the zone and he was just take taking it was uh it was mainly playing single player just taking the cpu apart and he kept busting out uh you know his kind of uh signature moves the really brutal knife attacks and all this stuff and i'm thinking wow actually this character this is this is resonating with me. I can actually see the appeal here. The backdrop seemed to be kind of improving version on version, mm. and so eventually I picked I picked up um, King of Fighters '95 for the Saturn, which uh, it was the PAL version, so it's probably slow. But it came with the one meg RAM expansion, so it was uh, it was quite you know it had quite a lot of animation for a home fighting game at the time. And yeah, ever since then I ended up importing King of Fighters '97 for the saturn and then 99 evo for the dreamcast and yeah it just kind of kicked on from there and now yeah i just own most of the games in the series i've added a bunch to my collection in the run-up to this show i still suck at all of them <laughs> but 
I enjoy I enjoy playing it. Um, I've got a lot of affection for the series, and yeah, I just think it's very very cool. But uh, but yeah, this show is is more about the people who actually know know their stuff. However, I do want to do our usual uh, you know kind of history lesson. So for those who are interested, SNK Corporation started out as Shin Nihon Kikaku, uh, the New Japan Project. They went bankrupt in 2001 before very quickly being reacquired by pachinko manufacturer Arose. And they were SNK kind of relaunched as Playmore for a couple of years and then SNK Playmore. Uh, they had some help during this time with the development of the games from the likes of Brezosoft, which I think was a related developer. Um, and then Eolith in Korea. Mm-hmm. I think that's right, isn't it? Uh, South Korean. There were a couple of Korean games in the series. Um there was all other developers involved in the history were the maximum impact games made by noise factory uh and probably the key names from uh the creation of king of fighters well takashi nishiyama a legend yeah. uh he'd already made two at least two uh probably more than uh incredible kind of all-time arcade games uh, for irem moon patrol and spartan x aka kung fu master he then went on to capcom where he was involved in mega man and of course the original street fighter for all its flaws it was uh, no doubt a massively influential game of course he then went on to form dimps who were brought in by capcom to uh, make street fighter 4 basically mm. I also uh, found out recently, um, and he isn't officially credited for this, but he, that he was involved in uh, very much so with uh, Trojan by Capcom as well, which makes okay. all sorts of sense because uh, it's basically Spartan X with weapons. Very true. Yeah. yeah. And then Spartan, uh, Trojan, that, that's a crazy sort of name link yeah. as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think Trojan is on the Capcom Arcade Stadium collection. Yeah, it is. People yeah. are interested in that. Yeah. Uh, the prototype version of the original King of Fighters was actually going to be a belt scroller, double dragon style side scrolling beat em up, going to be called Survivor. It had the same idea of using core fighters from their existing fighting franchises like Art of Fighting, Fatal Fury, specifically allowing players to play as Robert Garcia and Terry Bogard for location testing. However, this was uh, this was eventually abandoned. Uh, the director in 94 uh, or the 1994-95 era initially was Masanori Kuwasashi, credited as Kuayan. He went on to create the Tenchu series, I think, or co-create, and much more recently worked on Kingdom Hearts 3, <laughs> of all things. Uh, and the director of 14 and the producer of 15 is Yasuyuki Oda, who you'll often see uh, interviewed now, but he'd previously worked on Garo, Mark of the Wolves, and Super Street Fighter 4. Uh, and of course, yeah, uh, the artists, I think we, we, we should credit because um, the, the look of the game is so distinctive and, and so signature. We got Mitsuo Kodama, who was the graphics director for the 1994 version. We got Shinkiro Toshiaki Mori from 94 to 2000. And crucially, Nobuyuki Kuroki pixel art from 94 to 2016, uh, when the pixel art ended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also uh, Falcoon is a name that you'll probably have seen around. Tatsuhiko Kanaoka, who worked on uh, 2003 to 2008. And you've, you've also got Eiski Ogura, who's worked on the series art uh, since 2000, including the backdrops chiefly, I think. The initial game came out in August 25th, 1994. Is that 27 years ago? Is that right? I think my maths are right. Uh, don't don't date me like that, man, please. <laughs> Let's not think about it too hard. 
So let's talk about those visuals mentioning the artist there, because uh, although I, uh, there's a, I should say there's a really good article in uh, Retro Gamer magazine just a couple of months ago by uh, Darren Jones and Nick Thorpe, I think. Uh, you're mentioned in it, by the way, Chris. Did you see this? No, I'm, I did not hear about this, no. It's uh, all, all time. I'm afraid. I'm almost afraid to bring it up because it mentions a defeat that you suffered in a tournament. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> I think I know what they're talking about. <laughs> Get hype! The King of Fighters tournament matches that got the crowd and commentators out of their seats. And number two out of five is Hell Pockets versus Is it Geo Yuck? You Why you see from Real Honest Sunday six point three? Yeah. Does that ring any bells? No, it does. Geo. Uh, that was. I'm so sorry. Oh no. That, that, it, <laughs> It was a it was a learning experience, you know. Everybody's got to grow in their own uh, their own speed. And Geo was uh, <laughs> our measuring stick back in that time. You know, he was the best player that we had in the area, and so everybody lost to him. But I think what was even worse than losing to him was hearing his uh, his victory quotes afterwards, because oh. he was like oh, one no. of those kind of guys that was like, "I got, I've been saving this all week. Here we go." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's harsh. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that the, that's in uh, yeah Retro Gamer a couple of months ago. Uh, worth checking out for some extra info that you might not get from this podcast. But um, but I'm really interested in in hearing from Hell Pockets and, and Ryan because as a kind of uh, a keen enthusiastic fan of the series, but not somebody who's very good at the games, the sort of the visual style of the game is is really important to me. And although, as I said, like my initial impressions maybe weren't as strong as they were for Street Fighter 2, over time, I kind of got the vibe, I got into the art style, it grew on me. And now one of my favorite things about downloading and playing all these multiple different versions from the era is just seeing the evolution of the sprites and the backdrops and uh, all the moves and stuff like that. And the the kind of the, the vibe and the color and the atmosphere of the game and i'm wondering to 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 you guys ryan as as a, a serious somebody who became a serious player at least um how much does, does that stuff stay important even if it hooks you in at the first as you get into the more technical side of things and become more focused on the the mechanics of the gameplay does does the does that art kind of just fade into the background or, or does it stay important to your experience my first point of contact with the software is how it feels so yeah. obviously, I mean, obviously the first thing is what it looks like. And then the second thing is probably what I hear or the other way around. And then the third thing is the way it feels like. But the first thing that I'm interested in for real, like whatever, if it looks a certain way, cool. If it, the music is not that, okay. But if it plays well, yeah. that's where you get me. That's where you get me hooked. Because um, sure. it can be all pretty glitz glam. And if the play, gameplay isn't appealing, if it's not intuitive, course, if yeah. it's not fun, then I'm not going to be spending my time on it probably. So yeah. yeah, my my thing with KOF was just it was very familiar, you know, the 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 commands that the characters had and it was it was familiar enough but also different enough to have a really fresh appeal. So, mm. you know, you had you had move you had a lot more mobility on KOF in comparison to a Street Fighter game. You know, when KOF 94 dropped, Super Turbo was the hottest thing in the FGC, mm. right? And everyone knew Super Turbo. Everywhere had a scene of 5200 players or more. You know, mm. it was crazy back then. And then King of Fighters came out from, even though we'd all played Art of Fighting, Fatal Fury, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, from relatively nowhere, this 3v3 game appeared, you know? Mm. Um, I think I'd just come off the back of playing Fatal Fury 3 all the time. And around that time, there was, um, <clears throat> there was, um, 
Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 and yeah. Killer Instinct and there was all these other old fighting games. And yeah, and I remember just KOF 94 dropped and it was just like, oh, this is uh, <laughs> this is different. Yeah. And it was interesting because, you know, it had it had a dodge butt function. You could dodge moves. Wow. This, right. This, this projectile goes right through my body. This is cool. It had regular jumps and it had it had super jumps. So not just where you had, you know, you could tell the super jump because it had little character silhouettes that followed your jump arc. So you could tell you'd activate the super jump. So it had more things to play around with, you know. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if I think on 94, you yeah, you could you could d- double tap to forward dash. You could double back yeah. to back dash. dash. There, yeah. And and, and these the things were yet, new. These things were new, you know. Um, and you had the, the dodge forward and button, so you could get like the dodge attack and things like that. Like all these things were, were just, we'd never felt a game play like that before because Street mm. Fighter, you know, where the gameplay on that was like the pinnacle of what we'd experienced, didn't have these things, you know? And uh, yeah, so when, when KOF dropped and it was 3v3 and, you know, it had all these different characters that had all these different movesets, it was just, because on Street Fighter, I mean, you know, Gal's probably the best example because he has like two special moves, literally. A sonic boom and he has a flash. And then you get like someone like Terry who's got like five special, you know, like there's so many characters <laughs> yeah. who just had so many moves. Everyone just had so many special moves. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, wow, this is just like a souped up street fighter, you know, it's mad. And the challenge on that was great because you had to learn three whole characters just to have a match. You know, it's like yeah. people struggle yeah. to play Street Fighter because they can't learn a character. You couldn't even get into a game unless you learned three. Because remember, on that game, you couldn't pick your three individual characters. You no. had to no. you had to commit to a to a to a to a three man unit. Those are the three guys you get. You know, and uh, and and that was a challenge to just learn those three characters. So yeah, I, I feel like the appeal for that game was really original. It was really unique. It had a great vibe around it. Um, but yeah, for me, it wasn't really the, necessarily the audio and the visuals that got me involved. It was how it felt when I got on the machine to play. There, there's a thing though that the, you know the the very best games, the audios, the visuals, mm. they all work together to give you that feel and to to serve the gameplay as well. You know the impact of the of the hits and everything. Yeah, I think that's one of the big things for me with, and it's it's partly in the the response to the controller input and. A, and I'm sure this is something that you can probably, a really top player can feel the difference between playing it on original AES hardware on a on a CRT compared to playing one of the, the downloaded versions. But that, yeah, that connection with the player and the, the, the crunch and the crack, I mean, that, that's already going into the, the audio, but also the use of, uh, like there's some deliberate use of um, slowdown and stuff, isn't there, in, in, uh, when you, in the more powerful moves. Um, oh yeah, like when you get like kind the of counter hits the impact. Of the Hadouken right point blank. Yeah, I mean for me, like I I think it's like audio, like that that first caught me, um, or it it just tends to catch me, right? Because like I walk into an arcade yeah. and first thing I'm gonna notice is noise, right? And you kind of like for me, I'm like, um, I I was telling the story to somebody else a long time ago, but it's about art of fighting, and I remember that art of fighting sound design was just so freaking over the top. 
Like yeah. when they had to, when they had the attract mode on, like you just heard it like all the way down the arcade because like the sound of hits like and then the guy goes whoa and you're like what the hell is that <laughs> right and then you get to the actual cab and you see how the camera's scrolling in and out and how it's zooming up and down basing on yeah, where the characters are on the field and I'm like dude this is giving me motion sickness but I'm like I'm feeling it right <laughs> and so right. KOF was kind of like to a lesser degree that. Like they've always had like some of the best audio design. I feel like I I was telling people about KOF twelve and you know say what you want about KOF twelve, but it has some of the best music, some of the best sounding audio design, uh, like with sound effects um, in the game series. You know, like the the sound of a critical counter hitting somebody is literally like meant to blow out your speakers. Like it's it's so overproduced. I love it. Um, yeah. And and then and then I'll I'll, I'll start playing it because. Um, you know, I want to try it out. I think KOF for me was not so much visually stunning, but it was familiar because I knew the characters and I was interested enough to try the game out um, just based upon that. And the other part of it was a lot of those characters have so much personality built into them that at the time you just weren't getting in other fighting games. I feel like, you know, when, when Iori came out, like everybody was like, what? You can make a guy like this? Like, He's yeah. he's screaming. His voice actor is like putting his entire back into that performance, right? The yeah. the move set is stuff you haven't seen in fighting games before, you know? Like what character had a super that just rips your guts out for 30 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I remember uh, that characters had kind of um like they had these little pre-match like pop-offs, you know? Yeah. When you selected yes. them, when yes. you picked the order and you pressed the button, they all did their little taunt or their little pose. And this is exactly what Hellbox is saying, like the, the, just the, the, the personality on display, like the, the characters in Street Fighter just weren't that expressive, you know, and in other fighting games at the time. And yeah, yeah it, w- it was really like you were a part of some kind of group with these characters. You're, you're in their little storyline with them, you know, yeah. and it was really cool. Yeah, and then in the earlier King of Fighters games, you even have your teammates sitting in the background, right? And reacting to what's going yeah. on while your current character is playing. Right. That was so cool as well. Jumping in and doing tag team stuff. And, yeah. I, and I think yeah, yeah. that's a derivative of what Fatal Fury used to be because it was a two-plane system where, and nobody yeah. touched that. They were like, what? You could fight in the background? <laughs> yeah. I used to feel. I used to feel like the computer was so cheap when it used to just be able to do that all the time. Oh. Do it the same way. Yeah, yeah that was a special man. That was a, a really good game. Oh my yeah. god! I still have a mental block about using even. I, I know it's uh, it's it's ridiculous, but the actual dodge into the into the screen in the early King of Fighters, you know, the old uh, kind of lean back, it still breaks my brain just because it's a two D fighter. Either I'm blocking or I'm attacking. I don't lean back. It just seems like it just seems like a weird idea until it's like executed. They really yeah. had a real bout series where you actually did play in two planes again. Like they brought it back in that format. Yeah. In yeah. Bout series. That was really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Any, um, who do you think, who are some of your favorite outstanding characters uh, and, and stages from the history of the franchise? We've already mentioned Iori, but, uh, but uh, every time I see Choi, I still think, <laughs> you know, what, what they, they're kind of, it's kind of mad. They, they basically took kind of Freddy Krueger and made him a, 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 a Korean <laughs> a serial uh, killer person. Man. Yeah. I just like, what, uh, who comes course, up with these the characters, man? <laughs> yeah. Like I look at Chang and I don't immediately think like, you know, criminal, right? I just think it's like a big dude with a rock, but it turns out he's like, that's right. just this violent, hot headed murderer or something. Yeah. With a crazy voice. Like these Paul and like, Chang. 
And and the thing is, like, you're also they created characters that at the time, like, we're talking back when like Good versus Evil was like at our age, the coolest like concept you could you know come across, and you know the good guys were always the ones on your lunch boxes, and the bad guys were the ones that you threw apples at when they walk across the street. But KOF was probably the first game where like I think a lot of people were like, "Yo, I kind of like the bad guys in this," you know? Yeah. Like Rugal is probably one of the most beloved villains in fighting game history. Ah, uh, Rugal, man, he is definitely <laughs> a special, a special villain for sure. We got a section on uh, SNK boss. Uh... The stuff later on coming up. <laughs> um, I just also wanted to mention one of my favourite things that uh, the SNK artists uh, and technical team did that uh, that perhaps Capcom didn't do certainly back in the day was the sort of stage introductions. There are some oh, yeah. really creative That's ways. Really cool, yeah panning up panning sideways sort of go- going through doors um or sometimes you know in some of the games like it's like the whole thing's on a tv uh show and you're going into screens and stuff like mm-hmm. that so all, all that stuff i thought was uh was a lot of fun geese intro that we see today is from back in the day right yeah yeah i believe yeah. so, I believe so, so. Yeah, yeah yeah really really cool stuff that was intro. they they made effort in so many unique ways you know just to to be that little bit extra special they really did yeah, and and uh, I didn't mention earlier, but it became a, a thing um, to really look out for the soundtrack on every KOF. And I went to mm. Japan and I bought every KOF OST and AST, and I've got a collection of all the SNK fighting game music because nice. that's how that's how good it was for me. I really enjoyed the music, and the music uh. kept me hooked into the game. You know, I would I would I would be humming tunes on the way home. I, I would be making up my own tunes for the next KOF in case they asked me for some stuff, you know, like, <laughs> wow. I was really into the, yeah, I was really, really into the music. I'm like, any day now I'm going to get that phone call. I've got the tracks ready. Let's do this. <laughs> was there no, I, I love that because I've always struggled a bit with this. I think it's just the sound process. I don't think it's the composition so much, but some of the saxophone on, on, uh, on some of those games, just because of the, the Neo Geo sound processor or whatever, uh, some some of the things that were meant to sound like real instruments sounded a little bit uh, a bit a little bit farty. At <laughs> the other thing was, of course, yeah, those arranged soundtracks would appear in the Neo Geo CD yeah. versions of the mm-hmm. games, but the loading times on those were extremely off-putting. Yeah, and the th- the thing is, you said like uh, you know saxophone sounding farty and all that, uh, yeah. but I actually preferred the. Uh, the Neo Geo card-based audio to the arranged soundtracks on the on the CD versions because oh man, the purest. That sounds a bit. Yeah, it's but it's. <laughs> a, I mean, uh, as much as it's real instruments, quote uh, quote unquote, on the uh, on the CD versions, it sounds a bit schmaltzy often, right? Like the can the do ca- bit, the card bit version, elevator music, a bit elevator yeah. music, like but and the card mm. versions just. You know, with, for all their farts, yeah, uh, for all their <laughs> farts, for all their faults, <laughs> for all their faults, <laughs> for all no, their faults totally they sound you. really punchy and crunchy. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be it like there's, it, uh, yeah. I, I was uh, I was always kind of uh, yeah in 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 another camp when it came to the to the King of Fighters music, but without the without it sounding like it does that series, it it wouldn't it wouldn't be the same. It's part yeah, of the classic part tunes. Of the charm. Yeah, yeah. It, Raisin B Man from our forum says uh, on the video, "This is whereas Capcom sprites were uh, whole and cartoony. I sort of see King of Fighters sprites still having personality, but it seems like your eyes fill in the gaps that aren't actually animated. Sort of like when the great animators from Pixar or Disney would skip or stretch frames. There's varied stances. Certain characters have a determined look or a confident smile. Blue Mary does some sort of hand piano motion in the latter part of her counter." 
I think, if anything, supers get a bit more personality and grandiose in the transition from sprites to 3D. And in playing more, I'm seeing more personality, drawing me in in an endless cycle. There's one guy who just tosses you up and thumbs up the fourth wall before you come down. Also, there are signs of the game ageing not so well, which have slipped into SNK's games today even. There's a big emphasis on bouncing breasts. Not every female character, and there are some cool designs which definitely don't invoke this. It doesn't seem to be gratuitous a la Dead or Alive, but even still you've got Shermie, who has a literal boob grapple, <laughs> busty suplex. I'm curious how they'll handle this in the <laughs> upcoming lead all 15. the way in. Exactly. If, if, if that's not in there, if that's not in there, then people are going to be mad. I mean, speaking specifically about Shermie, if, if they didn't do that, then Gibby would be really upset. And you got to make Gibby happy. <laughs> uh, back on the visuals again. And then we play from our forum says, I've owned my copy of King of Fighters 13 since it launched nearly 10 years ago. I bought it when I was in college, which is the perfect time to get into a fighting game with other people to play it locally. But what I take most from the game playing it in 2021 is how gorgeous it looks. Even playing on PS3, I love the look of the hand-drawn sprites and how they are animated, and the backgrounds are equally as impressive. But most importantly, the game was still a blast to play. Hard and complex to be sure, but wicked fun. Yeah, I think that was, uh, uh, although 13 wasn't the one that uh, was the first one with the, was that wasn't the first one with the HD. No, that was 12. Drawn sprites. 12 was it? Yeah, 12. Yeah. Um, sort of 13 was a refinement but actually yeah, it's interesting looking at that retro gamer article they've got uh versions of uh athena sprite throughout the series um or and there were more redraws than i'd actually given credit for but she's certainly kept her her essence and her look but i think in terms of a series that did very elegantly m make the transition from sd sort of uh resolutions to to hd uh the snk art team did a, a pretty phenomenal job in that respect in 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 a way that some of uh, some other developers of uh, of fighting game franchises perhaps didn't uh yeah no they i think that uh with as, as far as i mean you, you got me stuck on athena actually because I, I went back and counted like how many times she's been redesigned <laughs> yeah um no i just feel like snk is uh as far as what kof goes it's they they had to make a game every year too. That's one thing yeah. that I think a lot of people uh, don't remember um, was that you know I'm looking at this timeline and yeah, like every year up until 2004, there was a KOF game, um, and they had to you know they made it look different. I was I was imp I was impressed mostly by the fact that they did make those games feel almost completely different from each other. You know, mm. not so much that you couldn't tell that there was some carryover, but like uh, they felt different enough. Like, OK, yeah, this definitely warrants like a new release, you know, um, but yeah. visually. Uh, yeah, I was also impressed by that because there's clear visual evidence of the cascading upgrade from 94 to 97 and then 98. And they added more characters in. So like they were actually you had less resources to work with, you know, but yeah. the game looked even cooler. Yeah. Um, and then they. Go and reinvent everybody for like eleven and two thousand three, and it was just like, yeah. dude, this is this is perfect. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a thing. Also, you know, when we were getting new updates of Street Fighter Two, for example, of course it's still tr Street Fighter Two, but you get the same backgrounds pretty much every time. You know, with the yeah, color change yeah. and everything. And then you see 
the King of Fighters series going from year to year, every year, a completely new set of backgrounds and uh, and assets and everything. Yeah, yeah, they they go into that on on in the article and in, in Retro Gamer talking about how they they're very careful though to maintain uh, the feel and the themes for certain characters or teams or locations. So uh, backgrounds will contain elements yeah. of previous backgrounds, like uh, you know the Akari team will still have a. A helicopter or a crashed military vehicle or something yeah. and, um you'll have the you know you'll have the south town setting sun and truck stop and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing and uh they carry on those those vibes all the way through to keep that that air of consistency and obviously i suppose with the transition to polygons for 14 and and we know that they did a they did a kind of final pass to make things uh better than they were uh in the i think even at release they they kind of improved things post yeah i think it was about a couple of months after they released there was a a visual yeah yeah but it's still uh like i i I don't i don't think it's an unpleasant looking game at all but i i do think it loses uh, there's some great animation in there for example and the character designs are still solid but i think it does it for me it does lose some of the personality of the pixel art and animation i do like some of the atmosphere in the backgrounds as well i mean the atmosphere in some of the backgrounds um and I, I, it just has the misfortune of coming out after king of fighters 13 in terms of looks you know mm, yeah yeah it's an interesting one it, it, I, they could have even gone down the route that uh capcom did back in the 90s and uh kind of have a you know like make that the ex plus alpha oh, you know, dude, yeah. fighters, <laughs> rather than the 14 um but there we are yeah i mean that, 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 uh, those I also understand. come after like you know with 12 and 13 there's like a story behind how those sprites were created where they basically rotoscoped some 3d models that mm, were yeah. you know from what i'm told by multiple people that are it's documented that those models were done and mm. A little bit around the time that they were getting ready to go ahead with 12, uh, the director at the time, I can't remember his name, decided that, no, mm. we're going to go with 2D sprites. We're just going to redo all these characters, and we're going to make a game yeah. out of that. And so they didn't have enough time. They put what they could together, and they made 12. And I've been asking yeah. them ever since, like, hey, so what happened to those models you actually <laughs> had done? <laughs> you know? Huh. Yeah. Um, and they've, they've showed images of the the basic um, 13 uh models that they rotoscoped and i'm like these look pretty close to the sprites yeah i don't i've never seen them in motion but as far as the 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 neutral stances go just the static stances they they look pretty damn good and it's always been kind of a bummer that we haven't gotten to see more of those assets uh in action i don't know what happened to them i don't know if they're in a vault somewhere or they just burned the hard drive those things were on but that was something that yeah. when 14 was like, when we knew 14 was going 3D, that was something we were hoping for, right? And then, and I think that's part of the reason why 14's visuals kind of let some people down because they were kind of expecting 3D 13. Um, and they thought that that was yeah. par- fairly feasible. Um, and so they, we kind of lost on that one. But where 14 succeeds is back in like the, ti- the, uh, the department of how does it feel to play? And I mean, I'll tell everybody this with no shame. I think it's probably the best feeling fighting game of its generation. Um, mm. I've, it's not me saying it, but I've definitely had several people, um, or several groups, communities who are centered around other fighting games. 
And we all know how, I mean, I don't know if you guys know how, but in in communities, there's a lot of complaining going on. (laughs) There's a lot of people talking about how this isn't as real as the previous iteration. I kind of miss the old days. Things are getting too dumbed down. And the one thing all these communities seem to agree on was like, KOF 14 is the only one doing it like they've always done it. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. know? Um, And I've. I don't take pride in that because I had nothing to do with it. But at the same time, I don't disagree with it. I'm like, yeah, this doesn't really feel that much different than 13. Yeah. It doesn't feel that much different yeah. from 11 in the way that I'm playing it. Maybe the overall meta is different. Maybe the movesets have changed a little bit. But as far as just sitting down and picking a character and learning one, I don't feel like the basic process has changed. Uh, the mobility is still the same and, and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. 14 is very, um, very much harks back to 2002 in t- terms of its overall systems, right? Yeah, uh, max mode. 13 was uh, was a little bit more daring mechanically with the uh, HD mode and the drive cancels and that stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, so HD was basically just like it, they wanted to make max mode, but you can only use it like once or twice in a match, right? Yeah, um, yeah And exactly. then you also had the option to drive cancel, which was something that was a little derivative like of basically some characters had moved that they could cancel into other moves like terry could p- cancel power uh charge into rising tackle or any other move yeah. and it didn't cost anything i believe and they were just like why don't we just give that to everybody you know yeah yeah exactly that was really fun to to experiment with as well no yeah i think that really made it um a more versatile uh offensive experience maybe not defensive that's a that's another yeah. conversation though <laughs> I do want to talk briefly about SNK boss syndrome because it's so famous. It's got its own name. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, I mean, this really goes all the way back to the beginning. Effectively, uh, the, the original game, I suppose, yeah, the, the arcade games, if somebody had been able to stay on a machine long enough to get to the final boss, they're a, you need to get rid of them uh, (laughs) to get the next player on and B, uh, they're probably more likely if they've played that long to uh, continue to put money in to uh, to carry on. But even by video game boss standards, SNK bosses are some of the most notorious for outright cheating, input reading, uh, coming back to life with more health, you know, all kinds of basically any kind of mean trick, having massive priority, busting out moves that the player can't do if they're the mm-hmm. same character or Every trick in the book, basically. Uh, And for me, as a not particularly good fighting game player, it is a shame because it does make uh, meeting... It does make meeting the requirements of actually finishing the game rather difficult, Um, which is... And, you know, I've beaten a few of them uh, by hook and by crook, credit feeding and whatever else. Uh, And thankfully, the the final boss in 14, Verse, is surprisingly a bit of a pushover, actually. But... (laughs) Uh, but how do you feel uh, as a somebody who wants to occasionally beat uh, these fighting games as a single player? I know, I know. Obviously, the multiplayer is probably much more important to to you guys. But was that ever a like? Was did you? It sounded like uh, Ryan kind of found it as a, found it a, a gauntlet thrown down that he wanted to uh, he wanted to beat. But um, but Chris, is it something that actually? You know, would it drive you insane? Trying to yeah, no, totally. I'm, I'm right there with you. Don't feel oh, okay. bad, dude. Those characters <laughs> were designed and programmed to do exactly everything you just said there. They just, they, I mean, arcades were meant to make money, you know? And SNK was not at all ashamed at how they got the 
the tokens or the hundred yen coins. They were just like, yeah. if you gotta put mm-hmm. five hundred yen in this thing just to get past, you know, Rugal, then you know, yeah. thanks for the money. Um, for me, <laughs> I, I mean, my first real encounter with that was Magaki, uh, uh, and KOF yeah. eleven, and I was just <laughs> uh-huh. like, I, I, I've never been like, I, I've always been surprised by what characters uh, can do that I don't know about, but um. I think that was the first time that I spent an entire month continuously getting surprised. Yeah. Like, like every no, time I saw is, that dude, it was something different. And I was like, dude, how can he have this many options? Yeah. That's that, that such a crazy, crazy boss. That's, I, I don't think, I'm not even sure if I was ever able to, able to beat him. At one point I just grew too frustrated. You know, <laughs> he, he throws, he basically turns the screen into bullet hell. And then he has teleporting fireballs that come up from behind you. I think he's got like a so full you, screen command grab too or something like that. Exactly. And then and then you want to get in on him because obviously he's trying to keep you out. But once you're in, he just does this big F off move. The, the wall, yeah. The exploding wall. Yeah, the wall. wall. It just puts up a wall, yeah. <laughs> it just smacks you uh, smacks you back right where you started. Oh, at. yeah, man. It's like horrifying. So like, yeah. what, I, what I learned from that was like you had to get on a boss character and just stay on them forever, right? And then just yeah. become psychic. Like every yeah. time they get up, you got to be ready with like the invulnerable attack to just... Because they never block. That's like the one thing you don't have to worry about. The, yeah. the opponent, the, the boss is almost never going to block. So if you've no, got okay. like... Some little, but ch- everything they do out prioritizes what you do. Yeah, right? it most likely yeah. will. Like, infamous genocide cutter that just beats everything. You know, you might DP him on his wake up, but his genocide cutter is like invulnerable all the way up. So it's just, yeah, you, you, you had to be, uh, you had to get the algorithm down. Basically, yeah, that's what it felt you, like. When you're yeah. pl- fighting those uh, those bosses, you're no longer playing King of Fighters. Or you're not, no. <laughs> no longer playing the game. You're just trying to find exploits. I remember being super happy in in thirteen. Uh, against uh, the true form of Saki, you know, the final boss in that game, mm-hmm. when I found out that he can't do anything against uh, Goro Diamond's uh, Grand Slam <laughs> because he can't, he can't duck. So, and th- that's the only way to defend against that, that uh, attack, right? The Grand Slam to duck. Or just but he jump, can't yeah. do that. So you could just chain uh, his Grand Slam together all the time and then do an EX Grand Slam and just <laughs> take his health out that, that way. You just had to hope that crazy. he didn't wake up super because the entire screen, like, turns to black yeah. and you're dead <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> like that's what i want to see like whenever i see like a, a speed run of 13 and they say oh yeah no damage taken i'm like really yeah. like he didn't just wake up super you yeah. at any point <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i always think i had I mixed feelings about this in the home versions because basically the ai was uh usually unchanged and obviously it completely is in all the emulated versions in some ways, that's fine because at home, once you've paid for it, you've got unlimited credits. But also, you think, actually, they don't need to be like that in the home version because they've already taken your money. Hey, but that's, so, we want parity with the arcade versions, right? We want it to yeah, be Yeah, so maybe the option. The- I mean, obviously, you can, at least in the home versions, you can... Uh, you can change the difficulty settings, but actually, in my experience, on all Neo Geo games, those one to eight difficulty settings, they never seem to really make the game. Even at one, the game never really gets that easy. <laughs> and final bosses are yeah. are seldom like noticeably easier. There are a few of them though, uh, which do have some fairly easy exploits. I understand. Like I think one of the I don't know which version it is, but there is one version uh, of the game that has a boss that can just be uh, swept. Over and over again, who was that? Uh, that sounds to, familiar. To destruction, 
I, I saw I, I saw it online some some video basically um, yeah it was like a, a video of the hardest bosses in the series and um, and what, I wish I'd made a note of which one it was but yeah it was like oh and after spending hours trying to get in and do this and do that to him I just swept and swept and swept <laughs> and as long as you time the sweep well uh, it just goes over and over and over again so uh, but yeah goodness knows uh, Omega Rugal I think is is something of a legend yeah. Uh, yeah. I found this comment on on a YouTube video from uh, one Abdel Ali who says Rugal was known by some in Latin America as the enemy of the tortillas, because when your mother sent you to buy your tortillas, you will spend all the change and also time playing King of Fighters. And of course, Rugal is very broken, especially with his infamous genocide cutter. So you can expect your mum wouldn't be very happy when you came home with cold tortillas and no change. <laughs> I have no idea if that's true, but I want it to be. Yeah, I mean, I've it never uh, had to. I mean, I, I've, I've never been ballsy enough to spend my parents' money on our game machine when they sent me off or something. So. <laughs> Hell hath no yeah. fury. Uh, <laughs> Now again, I'm I'm curious about this. So, as a as a, a keen enthusiast player, but somebody who doesn't necessarily follow all the lore, I became aware when they released a compilation of '95 to '97, '8, uh, the Orochi saga. '94 to '98, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, it's got '94 as well. Yeah. Um, the Orochi saga. I was like, oh, these games have a story beyond there's a tournament and uh, you will go and fight each other. Then since I've learned that there are actually subsequent story arcs, the nests and the ash. Um, is that something that, that you folks actually get into with these games or is it just uh, kind of um, set? Yeah, dressing? no, I, that was actually one of the reasons that brought me back to KOF because um, okay. I mean, I knew I had known about the series, but since the arcades were not really picking up a lot of the releases out where I'm at, you know, I kind of just had no hope to just play newer games. But I remember around the time, um, you know, Internet Wikipedia's and whatnot became kind of big. And, you know, you started seeing match videos popping up on websites mm. um, that was people were out there not necessarily transcribing the stories, but more or less just like telling them as how they understood them. And thankfully they were fairly close um, at the time. And so that's how I learned about, uh, you know, the Orochi saga. And I remember thinking like, wow, this is, uh, this is pretty involved for a fighting yes, game, you know? I mean, it's not, it wasn't like, you know, Shakespearean literature or anything like that, but at the same time for what it sure. was, it was like, it's pretty good, man. Like I kind of yeah. think it deserves to be more than just a fighting game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's really cool, you know, once you start playing Okami or maybe you know about it, but yeah, it's all based on folklore yeah. stories, mm. right? But then in a modern setting, yeah. Simply, which, uh, Chris, are your favorite installments of the entire series, uh, either for their for their story or uh, or for the for the gameplay? Is there like one version that you would you would always return to if you could only have one? <laughs> I mean, honestly, like the favorite installment for KOF is fourteen. Um, I thought okay. that was probably the best that they'd ever done with like, it's a, it's a true culmination of everything that that series has been in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. it, some people say it lacks certain moves or whatever. And that's true. And that's why we're getting 15 and it clears to be correcting that problem. Um, but right. I, I think it's for me, it's 14. Um, and, 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 and it's on all fronts, not just from gameplay, but also, from the story aspect, because I think it's another example of how serious 
um, SNK does take the lore in KOF to the point where they're saying, you know, it's not, we're going to reset the whole thing, basically. Like, Verse is literally a, a plot device to reset yeah. history. <laughs> yeah, it's the end case, the uh, Avengers end game. More or less. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that's great because it works on multiple levels. Like, if you're just trying to, like, you know, make a sequel that will have potential for tons of favorites to come back, which they're doing right now, apparently, with the Orochi team being in KOF 15, you know, then they've done their job. Uh, but on top of that, like yeah. the 14 saga was also going to be the first time we saw a, a brand new character that is almost completely unrelated to the Kyo, K, Ash, Orochi flame saga. Like the Orochi yeah. story has actually been going on since 94 up until 14, because mm-hmm. even the Ness saga was about how do we, you know, harness the Kusanagi and Orochi flame uh ash saga is literally about ash stealing orochi powers from iori so orochi has always been the center of all of that but in 14 it's all about shune and shune is like i'm some kind of hybrid creature from an intermission interdimensional being that contains the souls of all dead people in this universe (laughs) (laughs) and the ultimate basically right i'm like let's see where they're going with this and so i'm i'm fat i'm actually i'm actually fascinated again you know i kind of want to see what they plan to do uh with this storyline and from the trailers of 15 we've seen so far it's going to be pretty heavy story uh there's gonna be some pretty heavy story elements in it that's really cool i'm i'm glad to hear that yeah those of you who are thoroughly invested rather than just a kind of the casual but long-standing fan as I am, like, do really like that stuff is important. It's not. It's not just for something on the back of the box. It like becomes a whole. A whole yeah, investment. you have to pay attention. Definitely. And if you divide uh, fighting game fans up into uh, Capcom or SNK fans, right? I think a lot of the diehard SNK fans are attracted to those games precisely because of the sometimes more elaborate mm-hmm. stories and backgrounds and more. Human yeah. characters almost, you know? That makes sense. Raisin B-Man again from our forum says, I've started with King of Fighters 2002 Alt- Unlimited Match. So this is my first time playing King of Fighters. And as per usual with fighting games, I had to do a bit of searching on what exactly to do. I kind of felt like a kid in a candy shop seeing so many characters I've never played and many I've never seen before. The combo system is taking some getting used to, but it seems to like jumping in and pianoing down heavies to lights. It seems like it's pretty flexible in terms of sticking specials and supers in, and also has rage supers. Some of the inputs are wild. I often think fighting games should standardise their language as well as be reasonable, but I don't even know what to call some of these inputs. Diagonal roll into the opposite diagonal. I'm not a complete noob to fighting games, but going backwards I can sort of see why people end up falling off of fighting games with just the sheer execution barrier for simple things like doing a super. This was infamously a problem with Street Fighter 1. Yes, you could do a Hadouken, but it required a monumental effort and precision. I only, I can only hope the recently delayed King of Fighters 15 is a bit easier on my hands and in battle mind. I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> I don't know how much of KOF Beyond it is supposed to be more offensive and aggressive than Street Fighter, I suppose people are referring to its guard roles and the fact that combos are jumping. In starting to get my bearings with Shermie, I can definitely see parts of that. Much like Tekken, King of Fighters is sort of like soccer to America's football in that it has a much larger international outside of America presence. 
While I'm not as familiar with the series, I know, for instance, Tekken 3 was the best-selling fighting game until the last five years or so. I remember arcade machines as a kid in movie theatres and at the movies. I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like King of Fighters. It definitely isn't what Capcom does, which would be my reference point. Yeah, I was. Uh, he talks about. Um, sorry, just he was the the the, the um a paragraph talking about um mm. soccer and how it, much of an international sport this is. Uh, and, and that yeah. totally brings me back to Evo 2012 and the lead up to that. You know, yeah. like um, me and my partner, my business partner Gibby, um, were just basically getting the the thoughts of some of the players who were uh, scheduled to show up. Like we, uh, you know, had players from Japan players from Korea, players from China, Mexico, uh, EU, everybody. And um, there there were some places also that I did not even know played competitive fighting games. Yeah. <laughs> like, I knew, I, mean, like, I knew that they, they had some people out there. Like, uh, I think, yeah, like, uh, I know um, in Kuwait, uh, they had some really good 98 players. There's a video of that. Mm. And I remember that shocking me because I was like, I had never seen any action coming out of Kuwait. And the first thing I see is KWF 98. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like th- uh, KO 13, 2012 at Evo, uh, everybody wanted us to interview the Japanese player, Kaoru, who was the KOF 11 champion. And mm. everybody just pretty much expected him to just smash everyone. Right. Um, I was still somewhat new to the, uh, international scene to KOF because I'd only been playing with people in my local area and my first real introduction to the world was Southtown Arcade streams where people would pile in there just because we were streaming KOF 13 when no one else was um, and so I started meeting a lot of people and I, I so Gibby was interviewing Kaoru and I'm hearing stuff from other people about this guy named Mad KOF right and they're saying oh he's a 98 legend from from Korea he's a pretty big deal actually yeah. Uh, you had players like Yang Yao Rin come in there, and people were telling me he's a beast out of out of uh, Taiwan, and yeah, Taiwan, and yeah. like, but everybody for the most part was just kind of f- focused on Kaoru. They were like, "Oh, shit, the SBO champion," <laughs> and I mean, much respect to Kaoru, but he didn't even make it out of pools. Yeah. Like he did not make it far in the tournament, and I that at that point I knew that you know the world plays this game at such a ridiculous level that no one, no one can know everything at all the times. Like there is no preferred like region or champion, you know, like a killer can come from anywhere. And before that, and this is, this is still back in the days where we always assumed Japan was going to win everything it was playing. Right. Japan shows up for street fighter four. They're taking street fighter four. They're showing up for guilty gear. They're taking guilty gear. But KOF was the first time where Japan showed up for, you know, a game they played, and I don't even think they made top eight. Yeah. Top eight mm-hmm. consists of the almost the entire Cafe Id from Korea that they're showing. Um, yeah. Yang Yao Ren from, from Taiwan, Reynolds and Romance from America, and Bala from Mexico. And, well, also SoCal, but by way of Mexico. Um. Mm-hmm. And people tell me to this day, like, yeah, that is like the most wild top eight we have ever seen in terms of yeah. just attendance, international presence, you know? And yeah. it just it just continued like that for every year a KOF game was at Evo. I think the most diverse had to be KOF 14, where we did have guys from the Middle East in top eight. We did have guys from Hong Kong, yeah. from Taiwan, America, Japan in top eight. 
uh, China versus Taiwan and, you know, in grand finals, the infamous, I don't know if you remember it, but the don't wake daddy moment where E.T. Uh, completely steals Shao Hai's lunch money. <laughs> and yeah, it, it, like it, it's it's always the biggest. It's the first thing everyone says about it. Is like, wow, this game really is like the world's game. Like this game really does bring people out to play that normally don't roll out to events in an, on an international stage. You know, um, yeah, like Arslan Ash, the Tekken player that uh, was that just a beast. We I don't know if you know about him, yeah. right? Yeah, he's a KOF yeah, player. It's part of V Slash. It's a KOF stable from uh, Middle East. Really? Yeah, they all play KOF. Wow. Like, like I, I didn't even trip off it too because everybody was talking about this guy named V Slash Arzel Nash, and I'm like V Slash. That sounds like the Leona Super. I know yeah, those guys, Leona right? Super, yeah. And so I asked my boy yeah. White Free. I, I asked my boy Freezer about it, and uh, and White Ash about. I was like, Hey, do you know this guy? He's like, Yeah, we taught him how to play Tekken. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's yeah. it's it's a it's a crazy thing. It's incredible that you know I, I used to I used to think that I was just you know kind of up my own my own uh my own alley i was up too far drinking my own kool-aid thinking that klf sure. was like this yeah. big international monster and that everybody needed to to notice that but when i came to evo and when i mean after after evo yeah. i was like dude it's not just me like everybody knows this it's now yeah, it's yeah. like a thing and i think that yeah. it just that that that's not its only claim to fame, but I feel like that's something that it can always hang its hat on. You know, that's something that people will always recognize about KOF is that, you know, maybe not everybody in America plays it, but like the international scene for this game is tremendous. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think Evo 2012 was maybe the first time that such an uh, international showing showed up for one tournament, right? Like all these people congregating. Yeah. I, I remember Evo staff telling me like, dude, like there's, we've never had this much of a spread before. Yeah, that's really cool. And those are unique entries too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was thinking about some of the sort of feature innovations that have come and sometimes gone again along the way. Which do you think uh, are some of the the most important? Like, if Team Edit hadn't come in '95, if they'd stuck with the use choose, uh, you know, the the original had a big roster of characters for a fighting mm -hmm. game of the time with 24. But you had to choose one of eight teams, and and you got those three fighters. Like, would would the game have kept going beyond ninety five if they'd always stuck you with the same? If you'd had to learn the team that was the team, um, and the sort of the changes from the uh, the original uh, sort of risk reward thing of the the standing still to charge up your meter, uh, which was uh, then kind of made optional for for future installments, stuff like that. Um, how important was that? Sort so of development? I actually have thought about this bizarro alternate universe where KOF is legit. Just like yeah. you pick a team and then you have to work with it. Right. Mm. And I do think yeah, they might've yeah. made it to 2000 or maybe even 2001. But at that point okay. it would have become a one-on-one -on -one fighter and you just pick a team and you have two assists right. because in mm. 99, they introduced the striker system. And so I mm. do believe they probably still would have went in that direction even if they had never changed yeah. their implemented team edit, right? But the strikers would have been predetermined mm -hmm. by the, the the team you picked, and you just basically had to play around that. And that's that sounds not, like Project Justice. Exactly. That's not too different from some other <laughs> other games that have done, uh, you know, that kind of system. Except they, no one's ever like forced you to play one like specific team. Yeah. But I do believe that if yeah. they didn't do the team edit option in ninety five. 
probably by like 97 or 98, they would have went with mm. a striker system a little bit earlier on in that because I think they would have wanted to ch- switch things up by then, you know? SNK is always yeah. about changing the formula just a little bit or even dramatically in between releases, you know? And yeah. they're not afraid to try weird stuff. I mean, Fatal Fury 2 was, yeah. I mean, Fatal Fury 1 was basically supposed to be like, oh, yeah, there's some people who made Street Fighter 2. Or I think they made that. Was it? Did that game before or after? I don't know my timeline on that, but. Fatal Fury 1 came out just a couple of months after come Street, at Street Fighter 2. 2. But, okay. yeah. but I remember that was. But just, it was uh, pretty much, yeah, you could say they were developed at the, around, around, around the same, the same time. time, right? And they were basically just almost two completely different schools of thought around the same idea, you know? Where Street Fighter yeah. 2 was like, you put your quarter in, you play the computer until someone else wants to play, and they have to, yeah. and you, you got to fight for the cab. Fatal Fury 1 is like, you play the computer, a buddy puts in a quarter, all of a sudden you and your buddy are beating up the AI. It's two on one, yeah. right? And you're like, cool, I love this, right? We're, let's let's play the whole game like this. Nope, now you got to face your buddy for the cab. Like, ah, oh, <laughs> our alliance is broken. Yeah. And 2003, was that the one that plays pretty much like Marvel versus Capcom? Oh, like one in one yeah. Out. So 2003 is when they introduced what I call the active tagging system. I think they called it shifting uh, yeah. officially. Um, mm. And that was so that was like the biggest graduation from the entire series yeah. uh, that we had seen yet. And honestly, like a lot of people kind of wish they kept going on that track because KOF 11 was built okay. around that. And KOF 11, I... I I think it might have been the first tag game that actually had mid-combo tagging. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So, like, af- right. after that, yeah. I would see games like, like Marvel 3 started doing it and Dragon Ball Fighters does it. I'm like, oh, it's just KOF 11 quick shift, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, because in Marvel 2, if you would, you could only, yeah, you could only do it with uh, well, supers, uh, right? With supers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. That's right. And um, I think the the uh, from what i understand the, probably the biggest innovation for 14 obviously other than the massive visual changes is the simple rush combos compared to yeah i think that was probably something that they just it had been it had been kind of a trend coming you know like undernight inbirth had done something like mm-hmm. that um i think we had also gotten something like that from persona 4 ultimate arena in fact i think they might have been the first oh, yeah. ones to do that like just the one button target combo I think they, mm. that might have been that's my earliest remember uh, memory of that. Uh, yeah, sounds right. Um, and they just were like, "Yeah, well, we'll put in the auto combo system." But unlike those other games, they made it so like, if you want to use auto combos, you can. But we're locking you to that auto combo. We're not going to let you, you know, reuse buttons by hitting light light into special confirm. You're going to like do the entire combo. And to its fit, mm. to its completion, and if you don't, you're going to be left massively vulnerable. <laughs> and well, yeah. a lot of people, I think, were okay with that. Um, some people were upset because, like, no, I get, I keep getting auto combo by accident. I'm like, dude, stop mashing! Come on, <laughs> <laughs> that's all on you. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I, they, they threw that in, and I mean, it probably helped out a lot of players that were literally just getting into KOF with 14. And didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, exactly. what the the bigger thing I think it did was it got people playing KOF 14, and then they quickly graduated to just playing KOF like they're supposed to. You know, like they they quickly yeah, realized right. like okay, auto combos kind of suck. I'm just gonna learn like an okay combo that they can use because KOF yeah. is more about movement and positioning yeah. than it is about can I land this hit? You know. 
Like, mm. like uh, Ryan said earlier, you know, there was a lot of movement options in KOF as opposed to Street Fighter at the time. And that's always just been the the difference between the two, I believe. Well, you know, a lot of people. Yeah, you feel you feel liberated, right, when you get all these mobility options. Yeah. If you come from playing Street Fighter, and hey, all of a sudden I can do full screen runs and I can jump all over the screen where I want to be, and I can do these small hops and short hops and all that e- stuff. Exactly, and and the run and the running is from Samurai Showdown. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And um, it's just it's. A, a much larger sense of mobility you get without it becoming a full-on air dasher, so to speak. Yeah, you know, and and it's still like it's still footsies that and stuff. Game. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's still that grounded game, but you have yeah, the mobility options are just yeah, you feel you feel free and liberated. Yeah, you you, you feel like you're more. It, it feels like you're playing more of a action-heavy fighting game, whereas like maybe Street Fighter and like and 3D fighters feel more like more hard-nosed just combat. Yeah. You know. KOF feels more yeah. like you're in a setting and these characters are meant to be bouncing off the walls and the ceiling, just beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> Halo Fandango. This is Mikhail's friend uh, from our forum says, I first saw King of Fighters 13 pre-release at a fighting game tournament in London. People were enjoying Street Fighter 4 and Mortal Kombat 9 at the tournament, but there was a real buzz of excitement about the new KOF. Some dev kit Xboxes had been brought along and people were clamouring to try and learn as much of the game as possible. Fast forward a few years and my good friend Mikhail of this podcast reintroduced me to King of Fighters 13 with some fighting game nights with our fellow work colleagues. The game completely blew me away with its beautiful graphics, sound and addictive gameplay. My team was always Team Banana, which is Benimar, K and Kyo, all in yellow. <laughs> We had so many amazing times, which is why I will always remember King of Fighters fondly. uh, 13, that is. KOF series in general has always had interesting characters, fighting systems and art styles, which can make it very uh, very different from its other fighting game peers. It is this reason why I keep coming back to the series over the years. So fond memories for you, Mikhail. Definitely. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, what I was talking about when uh, we were working at Nintendo and those fighting game nights, yeah. Uh, so yeah, what are the strengths? Would you say, Chris, uh, of King of Fighters as a tournament game? I think the biggest strength that KOF has as a tournament game is that it it oozes high energy uh, from mm. just viscerally. You know, uh, I don't think there's been a tournament for KOF that I worked that didn't have everybody in the room just just their eyes were stuck on it and they became emotionally invested. Um, you, we talk about the, the audio, the gameplay, and you also combine that with the fact that it does have a large international, uh, support, like has a large international scene. Um, I think that that brings with it a wealth of different, experiences with the game play styles uh basically it's just always a surprising experience you know um and i'm speaking specifically as a commentator putting together a show a tournament you know why did the spectators glue themselves to kof uh whenever it's up on stage as far as like a tournament game as a competitor goes uh it's an endurance battle bro Uh, I wouldn't. I don't know if that's an. I don't know if that's a strength. I definitely think that if you say you made top eight in a high in a deep bracket KOF tournament, you definitely uh, deserve some respect, like universally. 
Because you basically yeah. just said, like, yeah, I beat the same guy like 18 times. <laughs> much, yeah. 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 What are the most enduring installments? I often, if you go around on onto, uh, you know, like the NeoGAF type places of the internet or Reddit, maybe now, uh, the one that always seems to get the most love is 98 uh, in my experience. But um, which are the the kind of the most enduring installments and the most kind of fondly thought of, do you think, other maybe other than 98? So this is, a, this is actually a strange phenomenon. Um, mm-hmm. So... If you ask anyone in the FGC, they're going to say 13. 13 is like everyone's favorite KOF yep. game. Um, yeah. No one's going to say 14 unless they're just like hardcore into 14 like I am. So um, a lot, yeah, a lot yeah. of people do like 98. Yes, a lot of the people both in and outside of the community do like 98 uh, internationally. Um, there's been always been this discussion over whether who, who has the best scene. Is it China, Japan, or Mexico? Um, that discussion. Ninety eight is a little bit like King of Fighters, uh, Super Turbo, right? It, it will be like I think the 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 virtual equivalent to like that. Uh, in 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 the timeline, yes, in the timeline of KOF games, mm. it's like they're Super Turbo, where it's like, yeah, everybody wants to play this. This is the pinnacle yeah. of KOF, you know. They might as well not even have made yeah. another one yeah. after this, and that's what happens. <laughs> you get a lot right. of guys who stopped yeah. at ninety eight, and they won't touch anything yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Same with Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Exactly, yeah. right? And then actually, yeah. no, KOF is unfortunate to have two, maybe even three of those. Second one is 2002. There's a lot of people who just stopped at 2002 and they're like, why am I playing like 11? Why am I playing 13 when I could just play 2002, baby? Um, right. <laughs> and that's the one that, that one has, has the rollback roll netcode net in yeah. now, which makes that's sense. Oh, well, that's the unli- yeah. unlimited match version. Yeah. 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 And, and and that's an, that was another exa- that was another example of when that conversation came up like hey, who's got the best KOF scene Mexico China or Japan right uh, so basically the KOF community internationally has been constantly battling it out between ninety eight and two thousand two for years and then KOF eleven comes and I I I don't know I I liked it a lot it's one of my favorite KOF games but I've always been told that it's one of the most popular mm-hmm. KOF games of all time you know. Like a lot of people from outside the game enjoyed it. Uh, not so much inside the game. I think a lot of people were a little thrown off at how far KOF had gone from, you know, 98 and 2002. Uh, but it still had a lot of sticking power and it's still being played to this day. KOF 11 endures with smaller, uh, scenes, but I think it gets more of a positive reaction. At least from me, it does. Um, but uh, you you can literally go anywhere on the internet and ask like what's the most enduring KOF game and you probably get hit with like four of those op- those options right now. Yeah, same same with any series. Yeah, we we covered Zelda. We know oh, how boy. this goes down. There. So, <laughs> yeah. Um and I suppose uh even those who aren't fully invested in the FGC and and the surrounding world of that even any kind of esports or whatever, people are increasingly aware of uh you know, particularly the Evo moment for for Street Fighter mm-hmm. Three Third Strike. Have there been uh, any kind of KOF moments uh, that you know maybe deserve to have as much kind of rep as as some of those those other um, Evo moments? They always call Bala versus Mad KOF a moment, but that's not really a moment. That was just like a dis- uh, a slow motion dismantling. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's definitely something that sticks in the annal of FGC history as one of the most hypest matches of all time. Yes. Uh, I don't. I don't yeah. know if it's a moment right. moment though because I can a little, I, a little bit helped by you as well by your commentary. Oh well, a little bit of help. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I thought the match was great regardless. Though I was like, dude, whoever's commentating this is probably going to sound exactly like I am right now, because that's what that game does to you. You know, like if you try to play it yeah. cool while things are happening during KOF, you're you're either gonna you're pretending you're not watching it basically, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I. I I could pick at least four or five moments from Bala versus Mad KOF that I think deserves like that kind of uh that kind of position. Um, yeah. Mm. 2013, Evo 2013, same thing. Reynolds versus Wu. Reynolds versus yeah. uh Wu had like a ton of really good moments. Most what a nail biter. Super nail biter because that dude was literally dead and <laughs> he turned it around from like two <laughs> oh to three to six oh yeah. or six two. Yeah. Um. And I can pick a handful of moments from that match that are just like, are you kidding me? This is incredible, right? And even and the yeah. crowd respected it too. Um, but I guess if there's one moment, and again, I have to give it up to KOF 14, uh, not because it's the game, but this is where it happened, was ET versus Shaohai, where we're, we're down to like ET's Daimon versus Shaohai's signature character, Iori. And mm. Shao, uh, ET had not been making the best decisions uh that set and it was the last match of the last round of the last set basically it was over after this the last characters and et makes another bad decision gets mauled by shao high's iori but doesn't die gets thrown into the corner and i don't know if et was expecting uh shao high to to follow up the attack the way he did with the jumping attack But I also think that E.T. might have just been so frustrated that he just didn't wake up Climax. <laughs> he just didn't wake up level three super. And Diamond's yeah. level three super is a command counter. And so right. Shao Hai literally jumped right into it. And yeah, walked right into and it. And the entire and the crowd just went berserk. I went berserk. I had the famous line, don't wake daddy. And what's even more important from that was yeah. that sh you could see like the life just returned to ET. Where he's like, "Hold on, I could do this," and he just yeah. all of a sudden blood started rushing to his started face rushing again. to his face. He was just all over this guy, and and Shaohai was like, "Wait a minute, this what? Diamond's got this, his buttons are pretty good, man. What the? Fuck? <laughs> he all all of a sudden he just felt like he didn't. I don't, I won't say he fell apart, but he definitely got the wins knocked out of him. And that was one of the few times I've ever seen a fighting game physically knock the wind out of a player. You know, we're like the guy just couldn't breathe. His hands, his hands didn't work correctly. His yeah. his body just didn't do what his brain was telling it to. Yeah, and completely shell shocked. Yeah. I get like that every time <laughs> I try to play. That's what's, that's what's cool about fighting games is that a lot of people will say like, oh, fighting games are like, you know, you know, sit down and play with your buddies and play until you get hand cramps, right? And I guess that's kind of physical. I'm like, no, nah, dude, it, it's a very physical thing because it's about aligning yeah. your body with your mind in perfect sync, you know? Yeah. And I don't yeah. know an athlete alive that doesn't well. tell you, yeah, you got to be thinking mind and body, bro. Like, you can't just be all in two different directions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We'll just cover off briefly uh, some of the many spin-offs for the series because uh, we like to be comprehensive on this show. Uh, King of Fighters R1 and R2 for the Neo Geo Pocket Color that uh, 
adorable dinky little handheld kind of they went chibi for this but actually yeah you can get r2 now on the switch courtesy of code mystics and uh, it's a lovely emulation and you get a whole kind of super high-res scan of the uh of the actual Mm -hmm. console um you got a rewind feature and all this uh, you know all the kind of bells and whistles it's pretty simple it's actually it will actually cost you slightly more than the uh the neo geo versions of the <laughs> same games but uh but uh but it's it's neat yeah I, I added it to my collection for this show and um yeah it's fun right it's i good actually to play. Uh, had that in high school like i had a neo geo pocket and i had king of fighters round two and it, I nice. would play that in class, like in Spanish class, like just in the corner, no one noticing me. That game is <laughs> How's oh, your Spanish? terrible, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that game is surprisingly deep, though. Like, I remember yeah. um, they had a, like handheld fighting games releases were like dime a dozen back then. Like, everybody had a handheld release for a fight. Like, KLF had a whole bunch of them. Like, we had, what, Neo Wave several times? Mm. Or Neil Blood, there it is. Neil Blood, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. KOF Wing, although I think KOF Wing is a is a fan made game. I can't remember, but I remember this being like the mm. first one where I was like, "Wow, they actually built like an engine around this. Like, this is not just some yeah. kind of silly uh, cash grab here. Like, they actually built mm. a whole new engine that mimics, uh, I believe, ninety seven, ninety eight. I think it's. I think R two is ninety eight. I'm not sure if R one was also ninety eight or possibly ninety seven. Okay. Possibly ninety seven. I think. But yeah, and it's but essentially if if anyone knows uh, Capcom's uh, po- uh, Pocket Fighter Super Gem Fight, whatever the American name is, uh, it's got yeah. that look about it. It's uh, it, yeah, the characters have been chibified, and uh, but yet as you say, the depth isn't. Or it's a two button game. We haven't even is mentioned it- the fact for those who don't know that. It's a four-button game, King of Fighters. So they've half. They have buttons. the buttons, but they still give you access to the normals because because they had the uh, the pressure sensitivity where yeah. if you hold the button down uh, hard, you get a heavy attack. If you press it lightly, you get a light mm-hmm. attack, which was murder on actually trying to do combo strings. But the point is, the combo strings were there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Very cool. Uh, King of Fighters EX Neo Blood, and there was a follow-up EX2 Howling Blood. These were for GBA, and uh, Nix Fontana from our forum says, My very first encounter with the King of Fighters series was way back in middle school with EX Neo Blood on the GBA. I was absolutely trash with the game, but I was won over by the general attitude. Uh, much like Street Fighter, you had these individuals that seemed to possess superpowers, such as shooting arcs of lightning from their hands and making the air in front of them combust into flame as they kicked their opponents up <laughs> into the air. It was over the top and glorious, while at the same time possessing a very mellow and edgy vibe through what the characters wore and the urban environments they often fought in. Maybe it was due to the GBA's limitations, but I remember many of the environments feeling very bleak, consisting of dimly lit caves, the dusty remains of long-forgotten ruins, dark city streets and the like. I remember very vividly that towards the end of your arcade run, you would often have to fight Iori in an abandoned parking lot complex at night, and just feeling like the atmosphere, combined with the viciousness of Iori's fighting style, elevated the fight to another level. It felt like my character was fighting for their life against Iori, and that if they fell, no one would come to their rescue in that dark, desolate place. What what an experience on the GTA. Some dark stuff, man. (laughs) It's true, though. That's exactly how it feels, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess uh, I was saying earlier. Um, so although there have been some dabblings with polygon backdrops and stuff in some of the versions of the main series, uh, KOF ninety nine Evolution on the Dreamcast, um, there was a kind of EX type game for King of Fighters, or a couple mm. Maximum Impact. 
uh, on uh, PS2 and Xbox, um, and uh, uh, there was a follow-up as well, and another. There was various versions of, of this uh, KOF Maximum Impact Maniacs. Um, I, I've never played either of these. I don't think they were terribly well received, as I recall. It was a mix. So so. It was okay mixed. enough that they made a Maximum Impact Two, and then an arcade That's release right. of Maximum Impact called Regulation A, which was a rebalance of Maximum Impact 2, added some new characters to it. And I think that actually had a little bit of traction around it. Um, Because back then, if the game was in arcades, Japan was going to play it, you know? They were going to give it a shot. That's why I always respect those guys. They'll play anything. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it it had some time uh, behind it. I don't know if that ever made it to consoles, though. I don't know if if Regulation A ever made it outside the arcades. not sure. But I, from what I remember, yeah, it, it had a little bit of some heat behind it. Uh, not, I mean, not nothing like you know, because it came out simultaneously with Eleven, basically, and Eleven was just you, you weren't messing with that. They kind of were asking a lot of the fan base to be like, "Hey, can you uh, be pretty deep into both of these games?" Um, I remember the story too. For the story for for Maximum Impact was supposed to be. Uh, an alternate telling of Eleven story because it had some of the oh, same okay. characters in it. Weird. Yeah, they had they had a little anime OVA about Maximum Impact. Yeah, and hmm. I think over here it was called uh, King of Fighters 2006. Actually. Yeah, 2006. Yeah, yeah. I mm. forgot about that. Cheeky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they tried to make it a mainline game. There's a 2018-19 game on iOS and Android by Netmarble called All Star King of Fighters All Star. Uh, not the sort of thing. I mean, it looks like a very different kind of experience overall. Gacha, gacha game kind of thing, right? Is it gacha? Yeah, yeah probably. It's like a mix because, like, mobile games now are like gacha, but they're also like we kind of have some pretty good gameplay now. We want you to take part of the big thing about KOF All Stars is that it totally gives the window into what kind of characters could be in a KOF game because I mean, they got freaking John Cena in this game, man. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that. I saw a screenshot. Like, like they got like WWE wrestlers in there. And now everybody wants those characters in fifteen. Like, we want to see like The Rock in KOF fifteen. Imagine that. Do I? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't personally want to see it, but that's what's in demand. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I guess you know we saw Negan in Tekken. Who knows? So anything's possible, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Moscow. The makers of games like Raiden 3 uh, made a King of Fighters themed bullet hell shoot yeah. which is available on Xbox Live Arcade, possibly PSN as well. I'm not certain. Uh, I did buy this. I would, uh, as, as a bit of a, a, a shmup fan, I would put it in the middling category of shmups, but it's kind of a weird novelty. Uh, you play as King of Fighters characters. Uh, it doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but it exists. Yeah. It's like Cannon Spike, right? Not yeah, kind of thing. No, Cannon Spike is like a groundbound arena kind of stuff. This is really like vertically scrolling up the screen, bullet hell. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're flying through the sky. Yeah, I can't believe why I never even tried this out. Actually, yeah, it it would does does tick a lot of your boxes, Mikhail. Should should do. And we have to mention, of course, Terry arrived in Smash Ultimate. We had an interesting conversation, didn't we, McKeel, with our colleague, Ryan. Another Ryan. Another Ryan. Another Ryan, who is uh, is an an American man. And he was was completely baffled why 
this character would be in Smash and we had to school him <laughs> on the importance of Terry Bogard as a video games, a historical video games character. I think uh, Ryan always wants kind of more out there wacky characters, but we were sort of talking to him about the global reach of Terry and his popularity around the planet over 25 years at the time that he was announced for Smash. And it did make a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, I think he's, he's come he's around quite enjoy. He's quite enjoyable to play in yeah. Smash. Like I would say Terry yeah. is pretty wacky. Like, I mean, for a fighting game character that came out around a time where like your main characters are just two guys in karate geese. You true, know, it takes true. a lot of balls. Yeah. Just, but yeah, our dude's wearing a trucker hat and a jacket. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he screams uh, Americanisms <laughs> with a Japanese accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Using does. some form of Kung Fu, but calling it burn knuckle, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty wicky, but that's what, what makes it such a long, it's cool endearing him, yeah. character about, about him to me. Yeah, yeah. And he's just absolutely, his fighting style is just like uh, absolutely wild and mad. You know, he just like lunges into people with his fist outstretched. I was going to, it doesn't seem like very efficient, but it's, <laughs> it's been good enough for all these years, right? Yeah, definitely. Like everything he does is like, wow, I don't think I would ever see anyone use this in real life. Like I can I could see if someone could do like a hurricane kick in real life, they would probably use it, right? Yeah. But if someone could do like a burn knuckle or a crack shoot, I don't know if they're going to utilize that cuz it's just like uh, I don't know if that's going to hit, you know? I feel like that's who, who just Who would want to perform a rising tackle? Okay, that's true. I think everybody wants to be able to do a rising tackle. That would be pretty sick. I don't know how that would work, but I want to be able to do it. We didn't actually mention uh, when we were talking audio earlier. Of course, that is one of the, as well as the the, the general sound. We uh, mentioned Iori's uh, kind of voice actor going going for it and stuff, but actually, the, a lot of the the voice samples and the announcer voices are also part of the very much a signature part of the soundscape of the game, and including the fact that it often was. You know, very obviously Japanese voice artists and uh, and announcers doing English words and the, the sort of the charm of the slight sort of mispronunciations mm. and stuff that would come with that was actually just really endearing as far as I was concerned. Oh, no, I love that stuff, man. That's why yeah. when they had the English voices for 12, I was like, why? It's perfect the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. A short series based on King of Fighters titled The King of Fighters Another Day was released in 2005. Production IG produced the title as an original net animation with a total of four episodes, each about 10 minutes in length. It's since been re-released as a bonus DVD package with Maximum Impact 2. An English language live action film, The King of Fighters, was oh, released direct to DVD I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. in 2010. I wish, yeah. you, I wish you hadn't mentioned that. Hey, hey, everyone had that. to do it. It's a rite of passage at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, it can't be as bad as that uh, Chun Li movie. Oh, no, no. Right? It's actually better than that, but it's still like, whoa. <laughs> like, why? Yeah. Why yeah. even? Yeah. Nothing's yeah. going to be Double Dragon, yeah. okay? So. <laughs> yeah. We just got to do it, go through the motions. Uh, yeah. What about Another Day? Did, did either of you see that? I've oh, yes. Yeah, I, I watched those. I watched them untranslated back when I didn't even speak any Japanese. So it's like, go. <laughs> um, you got the gist. Yeah, I got the gist of it. I, it, was, it was okay. Uh, it, it was what it was. It was obviously a promotional vehicle for the game. And the story for KOF is just so, and story for KOF and just SNK products in general are just so rich because I think Maximum Impact did have elements from Fatal Fury in it because, yeah, they had Rock in there. Mm. So Rock had an episode 
because uh, he was also in Maximum Impact. But the story for those games is just so damn rich that it's just like, uh, it doesn't really have to be like super good, but it's kind of nice to see uh, some yeah. of these stories, like, you know, fleshed out, animated, even if it's, yeah. you know, just for 10 minutes. Yes. Yeah. You see a lot of these series uh, crop up for various franchises, like there's various Resident Evil CGs and things like mm-hmm. that. But, um, they, they serve they, they serve a, a purpose for the fans. Right? I once sat through that whole um, Tekken CG uh, movie on the uh, 3DS Tekken uh, card. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. I didn't have a I didn't have a lot to do at that time. So. <laughs> <laughs> the CG anime series The King of Fighters Destiny was released on Steam and YouTube beginning beginning in 2017. The first season retells the story of the first games with Kyo leading the Japan team to participate in the title tournament eventually encountering the host Rugal who is using the power of the mythical creature Orochi. This series has received over 800 million views according to Wikipedia. Goodness me. It's good, man. Like, I know people were not feeling yeah. it, but it's actually kind of good. Yeah. It's still there on, oh, yeah. uh, on YouTube. And it's I all a bit there. of that as well. Just uh, some of the faces look really weird, I remember. Yeah. Like, oh, dude, what did they do to Andy, man? Like, <laughs> 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 yeah. nah, uh, Destiny's pretty good. I, I definitely highly recommend that to people who are both fans of KOF or just want to see CG animation. So what are your hopes for King of Fighters 15? We've got, uh, I guess, another maybe six months or more till it finally comes out, uh, having been pandemic delayed or possibly just development delayed or a bit of both. Uh, I guess you're excited for it uh, as a lover of 14. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing reaction videos to like the character announcements and then doing like analysis Mm. of what's possibly changed from 14 or what looks new or and so far we haven't had any brand new characters. So that whole idea has worked out great. Yeah. but my main hope right now is that we get a look at the UI because there's not been one trailer yeah. where we see like a health bar or anything, and it's yeah. it's driving me nuts. Um, but overall, I think my main hope for this game is that it 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 it's just I hope that it's just as good as 14 because I feel like 14 kind of just did everything you wanted KOF to do. It gave you good buttons. It gave you fast combos, gave you characters with a lot of personality, uh, gave you great sound design, great music, uh, cool move lists. It just didn't really deliver visually. And 15 is delivering on that department. It's looking like passable visually. So I just kind of hope that it stays the course and captures all the, the energy that, was not granted the 14 when it was uh, going full steam. Mm, good stuff. Eisuke Ogura, uh, Ogura, the creative director, says, going from 14 to 15, we wanted to work on the graphics and to make sure that the visuals were vastly improved compared to 14. System-wise, we wanted to keep it as easy to play as 14. We want people to be able to jump in and play, but to add a new system with more depth to make it interesting as well. Hmm. And Yasuki Oda, the director, says, we want a more interesting story, <laughs> something more fun and cool compared to 14. What's he talking about? That was a great story. <laughs> <laughs> John Learned's uh, Polygon piece from earlier this year. All right. Uh, we have a few brief three word reviews from Twitter of the entire KOF series, because that was an easy task. Yeah. Uh, we've got Bra- Branford Hubbard says, Max Mode, what? Robin Hoodie. Character personality abounds. 
Deadbeat Punk says, superb idle animations. Jelly Scare says, glorious pixelated excess. And uh, Pacheco de Jesus, I guess. Yeah. King of Fighters. Simple. That's, that's all you got to <laughs> say. Makes sense. So in summary, our feelings on the whole series. Uh, well, I'll start uh, because I think I'm the most casual of fans. But despite being that by my own admission and possibly the worst at playing them, although Mikhail and I have yet to uh, lock Yeah, we on, haven't decided on it uh, yet. Yeah. yeah, no doubt, no doubt, uh, Chris. And, and Ryan, who sadly had to depart uh no doubt would absolutely tear us limb from limb on on the on the on the field of play uh despite me being yeah like a total scrub really with KOF i have been playing the game for a quarter of a century i do own like 20 different versions of various games in the series um so there's only a couple of variants that i've never even i've never even touched uh so yeah i guess i am a big fan i keep buying them i keep playing them to a, a fairly poor level but there is something about the feel of these games and the vibe of them that is unimpeachably cool i I am a big street fighter fan as well probably more of one i've probably played a lot more street fighter over the years but there is something about the kof games which have that slightly just they're just off to the side at least in kind of my perception they're not the kind of mainstream in a way even though they have this massive global following there is just something about them that because they're not like the one that everyone else is into, that kind of makes it cool. Like it's, uh, I guess you could, you know, uncharitably say it was like the hipster kind of scene <laughs> of, of fighting games. Um, and of course, yeah, the the SNK fighting, multiple SNK fighting franchises and even their other IPs feed in to what makes uh, KOF cool. And yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of metal slug series and yes i used to play ikari warriors and things like that even before so i have an affection and as we say the the original series creator is the guy who created some absolutely amazing games uh some all-timer uh you know from the very early days of the arcades uh including yeah as i say the likes uh, of, of moon patrol and and kung fu master and, and street fighter one so just what a legacy mm. uh uh, uh, and yeah, so the game has 14 mainline entries and those spin-offs we talked about. And if you were going to jump in now, uh, I would recommend you play or own at least one version. Just buy one of the ACA Neo Geo versions on either uh, PC, Switch, Xbox or PS4. You can play it on PS5 as well, of course. And um, it actually, it can get quite confusing in terms of SKUs because there are even multiple versions of the same game under different labels and different emulations and you might accidentally buy the ps2 version that's running on the ps4 to play on your ps5 <laughs> which is a version that's been re-released and upscaled of a of a game from 15 years ago so i say stick stick with the aca neo geo versions by hamster um but that the only thing about that is it means you can't get the ultimate match or the unlimited match so i'm going to say get 2002 on steam or pc uh, for the rollback netcode if you want to play online and otherwise just get a version of um 98 oh and of course if you are a games with gold subscriber it wasn't that long ago 13 was actually a freebie a monthly freebie so you may have it in your library anyway uh and yeah that game is absolutely stunning so uh yeah play some king of fighters preferably with other people but even if not uh just get a sense maybe just uh, pick a character and have a little practice and uh get some of that 
crunchy feel that you get from SNK fighters uh, and enjoy. And Mikhail. Yeah, I think you summed some of that up for me as well already. Um, the the hipster thing made me laugh because uh, me going all out on King of Fighters 13 was a little bit of a uh, reactionary step or a bit of a reactionary move with everybody just wanting to play nothing but Street Fighter 4, you know? So I, <laughs> yeah. I was just sort of like blowing that horn at one point. Like, okay, guys, right. let's try out something different for a change, you know? And... Uh, and that game in the whole series, I mean, the whole series is, uh, you know, over time, has, as I said in the beginning, beginning has uh, become more and more a part of me and uh, I have grown more and more fond of it. And I always just, yeah, if I look at the backgrounds in the games, it reminds me of uh, of summertime and holidays and, and that sort of thing. 13 was the game that uh, was extra special for me because I uh, sort of, yeah, Created a bit of a scene around it amongst uh, a bunch of colleagues from uh, all different departments within Nintendo. And yeah, it was just so much fun. And since I came back to the Netherlands and, you know, not really having too many fighting game players around me anymore, um, I s- I'm still playing these games. And, you know, these days I'm okay with also playing a lot of them just single player and just enjoying the overall vibe of them and just, you know, trying things out in training mode and just tinkering around with them. Um, Yeah, I I think Street Fighter will always be my heart, but uh, King of Fighters is an extra layer of special um, and it's exactly the differences with the Street Fighter series that make it such a fun alternative to to turn to Mm. well said and well we can conclude with chris uh how can he sum up his feelings towards this mighty series uh i mean so it's it's a game i grew up with it's a game series a franchise uh a company that um i've followed for quite a bit of time um i've always liked fighting games in general but i think what makes kayla special to me is the fact that I I mainly feel like it's because it gave me a lot of what I was I felt like I was missing from other fighting games, you know? Like guilty gear like to the point where even like anime games kind of felt like, yeah, this is probably the way to go for us from at a basic level, right? Um the the high frantic action, uh big damage um flashy combos expression like very expressionate characters is that a word expressionate well very expressive there we go expressive characters excuse me um (laughs) it just it felt like i was getting like a very complete experience when i was playing kof you know i like anime and i like you know drama and whatnot and i feel like both of those things were fairly well represented in early kof you know you got your storylines you got your designs and you just got that cool frantic action um then i mean really that's that's about all there is to it i mean there's obviously the obvious parts where like you know kof gave me the platform that i have today you know kof 13 made me who i am necessarily like in a a way like i was always this way anyway this is why they wanted me to commentate it right (laughs) but i think it gave me (laughs) it gave me the uh the stage to stand upon and i'll always be grateful to it for that um I, I don't have much more to say than that. Really, it's just That's it's wonderful. just it's a part of me, I guess. At this point, you know, it's it's made it's allowed me to live the way that I want to live. 
Wow, that's a beautiful end. Yeah. So it remains then for me, Leon, to thank Mikhail to Ryan, departed, and Chris. Thank you so much for your time and generosity. Uh, and yeah, where can people find you on the internet? And maybe, you know, uh, I think all they need to do is spend some time around uh, some of your commentary and output to really understand, you know, the vibes we've been trying to get across in this mm. podcast. So where do they go for that stuff? Uh, well, uh, I'm not as active on Twitter as I used to be because I'm currently gainfully employed. So I don't have as much time to be on the internet. <laughs> but if you want to like no find worries. me um, on Twitter at Hell Pockets, you can Google Hell Pockets and I'm pretty sure like, all the necessary stuff will pop up, like uh, archive of matches I've commentated or matches I've played, as well as the social media. Um, and you can also check me out on twitch.tv slash gamegoons if you want to see me and my team live, usually talking or playing KOF. So uh, we're still very active in that part of the community. Amazing. Great stuff. Thank you once again. Thank you also to our community correspondents and editor Jay and you for listening as well of course next time in issue 483 something as different as ever we experience an alternate 1999 for internet detective work in hypnospace outlaw <laughs>